welcome to Asking Eve, the regular podcast brought to you by Emily and Lara, the mother-daughter duo behind Advancing Eve. Our podcast series will bring you a variety of conversations with girls and women who are just like us and you, making their way through life. We hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Asking Eve podcast. This is actually our final episode of the season and my mum and I are joined by Kristen Boland. Kristen and I's paths have crossed uh, a couple of times uh, and so we, we kind of know each other and uh, she has quite an interesting story to tell so we wanted to give her the opportunity to share her story with our podcast listeners. Um, so again thank you very much for joining us and we'll just get started uh, with the questions. So first and foremost uh, here congratulations are in order. I saw on uh, LinkedIn that you have been promoted at work which yes. is great well done you so tell us a little bit about your new job and um your journey I suppose from school to to this new job yeah definitely well thank you very much it was um it was definitely such a relief and also you know like such a proud moment to secure the job um I work at the Royal Bank of Scotland and I had been on the graduate program for two years um which was amazing and it was such a good program but you are kind of wrapped in cotton wool as such so kind of coming out of that it's like you need to find a job and although the bank do the best they can t- to find you something there's always kind of that inevitable situation that you may need to leave if if there wasn't the right position for you oh I didn't I didn't appreciate that I yeah. thought it was a, like a just a sure done deal thing. yeah so it, it almost is in a way I guess but just kind of with COVID and things like that there has been a lot of like changes and a lot less jobs so yeah. I think now it's more a case of they, they do their best and if there's not a role that you apply for that, that fits they'll try and map you into one but okay. they always do kind of say you know there is the maybe the ultimate chance that you might need to leave so that is not what I wanted to no, happen so no. um, it was a bit of a kind of stressful time like applying for jobs and waiting for something to come up but then also thinking you know maybe I should be applying for other things in case the dream job doesn't come up yeah. so um yeah so the, the job came up it's in real estate finance and I'd done one of my graduate rotations in that role so yeah. I knew the team I love the job like as soon as I finished that rotation I, I was like yapping on to everyone I want to go back <laughs> uh-huh. so when the role came up um I almost actually couldn't believe it like it came up at the right time mm-hmm. and it was right like when I was finishing the grad program and ready to roll off so um so yeah it was kind of an interview process which was quite daunting because for the grad program you didn't really do an interview it was more like you know assessment centers and different activities that you'd done rather than an actual interviews so it almost felt like I was away back to the start again having to prepare for an interview but yeah luckily it went it went well and and was that online were you interviewed online like yeah yeah. so it was on zoom so that was also a very another weird dynamic you know so did you get dressed up for interview yes Uh it was so sitting in your bedroom in your suit (laughs) honestly yeah so at first I was like I'll just put a shirt on and leave you know like casual on the bottom but it almost got me like into the mindset so I was like I'll just put the trousers on as well definitely so I was sitting there and yeah just um just in my room on zoom and kind of there was two interviewers and they were on zoom as well um so I guess it was a good thing and a bad thing because you know it was a little bit less you know daunting having two people like staring back at you Uh uh-huh but then it was weird so, being on zoom you couldn't get like a feel for no, it or you know it was it was quite strange but um there's no bodied language as yeah, much as in uh-huh. person so. um, I think it definitely helped that I knew them previously from working in the team mm-hmm. otherwise I think 
it would have been more daunting um but yeah to be honest they, they made me feel super comfortable which was good um I was just like you know up to 90 because that's my oh. own that's just who I am but um yeah and you wanted it so bad eh, when you really yeah, want something when eh? you really want yeah, something uh-huh. I think as well when I came off the interview it's like always that way like you probably know from exams and stuff mm-hmm. like that when you come out and you just think, oh I should have wrote that and why said, didn't I yeah. say that and you think of everything after uh-huh. um so yeah they kind of kept me waiting over the weekend as well so I was like thinking about it the whole weekend oh no um but luckily I found out on the Monday that I'd got it and I was just like super super excited and like ecstatic so um so yeah that's kind of where I am now and um, hopefully for for a long time uh-huh. um and, and working in the bank's great like it's such a good organization to work yeah. for and yeah. I love the grad scheme so to know that now I've got something like safe and secure and permanent it's definitely a weight <sighs> off yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. a big yeah, sigh of relief yeah. um but yeah, so that's kind of where I am now. Um, I guess kind of going back to like school and stuff. Um, I went to Balmoral Primary School, so that was way back when, I guess. <laughs> um, Honestly, not that long ago. <laughs> <laughs> and then moved on to Gal Academy, so done six years there. Uh-huh. Um, I was actually head girl in the last year, so oh, yeah. that kind of topped it off like really nicely, like yeah, a nice yeah. year, and you know could plan loads of stuff for my friends and stuff obviously it was for everyone but you know I was taking their opinions on board (laughs) and stuff so that was really good um and then went on to Edinburgh University and studied business management there for four years um so yeah that was that was great as well it was a big change moving away from Gala Shields this tiny little place to now living in Edinburgh which was like a huge huge change and a big jump yeah Lara you'll probably like know exactly what that's (laughs) what you mean um so so yeah that was that was a big change but it was great um you know moving into halls and kind of getting into the swing of uni life and you know not having my parents there all the time was was a bonus (laughs) Um, what does this mean (laughs) a little bit of freedom let's just say um but yeah so that was that was great great four years um kind of met friends there that I probably would never have met otherwise which yeah. is such such a like big advantage of kind of going to uni and meeting people out with your your Even little circle borders, or your yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah, borders yeah. such a tiny little place um in the grand scheme of things um so yeah went to university um throughout uni I was kind of working um part-time jobs um next was where I worked so in retail which was good um always kind of went back there summer and yeah. Christmas so it was always like a good wee earner for a wee bit of extra money um and yeah it was it was a good job to be fair I really liked kind of chatting to the customers I was and gonna say good, good yeah. experience uh-huh, like yeah. the social yeah. the social aspect yeah. of it was really good it was like a nice place to work and chatting with people like every day and stuff was what what I really liked and I like the fact that then I could just like go back to uni and not have a job so <laughs> it worked yeah, out great <laughs> and did you get a discount yeah a huge yeah. discount it's like 25 percent, so it's great oh, and you get a good. uniform allowance so you can uh, double pick, bonus. Pick bits that you get yeah. to wear while you're working so yeah. it's uh it's definitely definitely good my mum liked to discount <laughs> <I bet>. <laughs> Lara's granny Christy would have too. Eh? Yeah, Lara awesome works in the fudge house. <laughs> yeah, it's not quite got the same no. peel of discount. No, just, just so fudge. Fun. Just fudge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the same as clothes. I think Graham would appreciate that way more than fudge. Fudge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So that's your kind of professional side of your life. What about personal? So your hobbies, friends, family, etc. Yeah. So I mean, not so much now. <laughs> I used to do a lot more when I was younger. Um. I used to do Irish dancing, which was oh, like my. Wow. Wow. which was like my main hobby yeah so I've done that from like age is that the six, really fast seven? feet but arms yeah quite... straight uh-huh. arms uh-huh. yeah so done that for years <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> done that 
since I was like seven till about 18 I stopped when I went to uni mm-hmm. um just because obviously the classes and stuff were in gala and I was living in Edinburgh so it was just a little bit impractical um but that was like my main hobby um used to compete and stuff but you know kind of went to uni and then that fell fell by the wayside a little bit um but yeah I mean I like socializing with my friends that's like a big part of of like my life and Mm -hmm. what I do outside of work um enjoy meeting my friends at the weekends and like going to Edinburgh and stuff it's nice to kind of go out and spend time with them and most of my friends actually are my friends from high school like we, we yeah. kind of congregated in first year and we haven't really separated <laughs> since um which is quite nice and I guess now we're all older everyone's kind of off doing their own thing but but yeah. we're still really well connected and yeah. we still meet up all the time and I think that's really nice actually and it's kind of made us probably closer, closer now than yeah. than ever because we've been through all that time and we all kind of understand that everyone's got their own commitments but you know when it's like a big thing and we all get together everyone makes effort to go You're and you just other. have like yeah. such a great time and it's like you've never been away from them it's like I probably could have saw them last weekend but it's actually been like months and it's just like that natural you know you just pick up where you left Mm. off type thing so So, you're back in gala now yeah Yeah. back in gala just now so it's kind of a transition between uni and work and before I knew it the pandemic kicked in so here I am still still in gala but to be honest it's not been the worst thing because all my friends are here and my family and you know I've got the dogs and a big garden so you know it would have probably been a much more kind of lonely lockdown if Uh I'd been in Edinburgh and you know no no garden no dogs my friends and family all down here so as much as I maybe you know like curse the borders and it's so small and there's nothing (laughs) to do here all my friends and family are here so it really isn't that bad um so so yeah definitely family and friends are kind of like a big thing um and kind of that's where my hobbies kind of lie doing things with With them them. and going out for food and drinks is like something that I really enjoy doing um but yeah the sports side of the hobbies have kind of fell by the wayside (laughs) they'll come back when when you get to a certain age you sort you just sort of need something else Uh, yeah my mum's like a serial hobbyist she's tried everything (laughs) they say this all the time about me but I'm really not I just haven't found the thing that's but name a hobby and she'll have tried it and then stopped it about two weeks later no not two weeks harsh that's getting harsh <laughs> you've got to try and do things until you, of, yeah, exactly. you know if you like it or not yeah, yeah. do you have a lot of kit in the house so if you a ever lot. need a you know, sewing machine or knitting needles or <laughs> cameras drumsticks. Yeah, drumsticks yeah oh drums yeah, yeah tried that as well literally everything horse riding drums tennis golf baking I could go we on. could move on yeah. we could move on <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah family you've clearly really central to you and you know your values and and who you are so uh, uh, there's who's in your family yeah about your family yeah so um kind of live um at the moment with my mom and my dad um obviously I have a little brother as well who like sadly passed away um in 2010 so it was just the four of us it was quite quite a small family unit and now it's kind of just the three of us Mm -hmm. um Obviously, I have a wider family, aunties, uncles, cousins, yeah. my granny, they're all, all in Gala Shields. So it's all, it's all quite close knit and we're all, we're all pretty close to each other yeah. in terms of 
geography but also you know we're quite a close-knit family Actually emotionally close yeah, as well. uh-huh. yeah yeah and I think especially like with my mum and dad I guess that's kind of we have been brought closer together by kind of losing Rowan type things so yeah. um yeah family is like a huge a huge thing to yeah, me yeah so it's actually Rowan that we're here to talk about primarily uh-huh. today um and we'd really like to hear more about him so if you feel happy to do so can you tell us a, a little bit about him um you know what what you remember what was your relationship like you know what was his story yeah definitely so obviously um I was quite young my mother passed away I was thir- 13 Ooh. um so it was obviously quite um it's quite a tough tough thing to go through when you're when you're young but my brother was was nine um he was <laughs> he was so energetic so kind of charismatic he loved sport he was such a personable little boy you know for nine years old he was so confident you know he would just walk up to people and just chat to them have a little conversation and could really like hold his own he wasn't kind of shy or Uh anything like that so that's kind of like a big a big thing he was always running around with a smile on his face and chatting away to people um and yeah I think that's probably how most people most people remember him you know just a big smiley face and Charizard. running around yeah and sport was was like the biggest thing in his life to be honest um he couldn't wait to get home from school to go and play with his friends every every sport he played it cricket rugby football golf yeah like tennis badminton and anything that involved sport he he was there and he wanted to do it so that's kind of um probably his kind of lasting memory in his legacy was like his sport was was what he lived for yeah cricket probably especially um was like his his main sport his sport of choice and one that he was like really good at actually Mm -hmm. um like he, he was only nine and at the time of his death he was playing like for under 16s and he was playing for the south no so, way um and the under 12s team as well so he was kind of kind of playing above his age well group above, and yeah, i think yeah. as well it, he was quite small he was quite short um and i think cricket was a sport that didn't really matter you know like his height and stuff in rugby maybe got kind of pushed around a wee yeah, bit and yeah. stuff like that where cricket was um where he really excelled he, yeah. he was good he had good skills he used to watch the tv and constantly and then try and copy <laughs> like fancy bat tricks oh, really? and <laughs> things like that that the the pros on tv were doing but yeah he loved it he wanted to be doing it summer outside playing and then when it was the winter he wanted to go to the indoor training oh, so yeah, yeah. it was um yeah it was just something that he he absolutely loved and it was kind of what he he loved doing the most and he kind of centered his whole life around, around sport and cricket and every night of the week he was at one training or another and then on the weekend there was cricket games rugby games following my dad around because he also played cricket and he used to be a rugby coach so yeah Rome was just immersed in sport in like 100 percent. Yeah. yeah and what was your relationship like you know so 13 and 9 thinking about siblings thinking about Lara and, and her brother I mean I'm sure there was like <laughs> ups and downs the odd yeah. argument the odd fight you know no, yeah it? definitely I mean I guess because we were quite young it was quite like an immature relationship you know we were we were we hadn't got to the stage where we were really bickering and fighting we did we did have fights over like you know stupid things about you know who who was watching what on tv and uh-huh. little things like that but we had quite a good relationship I would say um we used to kind of play together and do things together family holidays were kind of like a a like a high point for us you know we loved going to ho- on holiday we used to always go to Menorca uh-huh. every year um and we'd go to like water parks and things like that oh, so we had park. yeah oh, honestly I would go now <laughs> oh I, I love water parks <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> 
<laughs> but um yeah so it was it was a really great relationship that we had um obviously kind of I was coming up to I just turned 13 and he was still nine about to turn 10 so it was like a three-year age mm-hmm. gap mm-hmm. um so I was kind of getting into the age where I was like a little bit too cool to be yeah. like <laughs> playing with my little brother now um but it was definitely like an amazing relationship that we had and obviously it was kind of cut short and it's like such a shame to think what we would what we would be like now because obviously we're much older and uh-huh. much more mature so you know you when you kind of get to that peak where you kind of are back friends with them friends. again yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you've went through that stage and then you kind of friends so it is a shame that we kind of missed out on all of that and I do kind of think to myself you know what would he be like now and yeah. what, what would our relationship be like and things like that but definitely looking back we had such an amazing like childhood together together and, so you've an amazing got relationship that. yeah yeah because yeah. I, I look at Lara and Brody now uh so Lara's almost 20 and Brody's just turned 17 and if ever I want to know something about the other I'll go one of them I'll go to the other because I know <laughs> that generally they'll talk and we yeah. probably talk to each other more than they would talk, talk to, to you <laughs> <laughs> so like can you just ask this can you just check that you know and that yeah. seems to be the, the kind of way of it and because I, I say this all of the time to my <laughs> sisters like the relationship you have with your sibling will in most cases be the longest relationship you have in your life so you do kind of um go through that time together don't you and you drift apart and come together and that's so yeah I can imagine you would reflect on oh I wonder what you'd be yeah, like uh-huh. yeah. yeah just like the kind of things we'd be getting up to and yeah. like what stories we would have to tell and yeah. what mischief would probably be causing <laughs> uh-huh. um but yeah I mean it's nothing but kind of happy memories and a great like Good. relationship and childhood yeah, that we had yeah. so so um what what happened then to to Rowan? Yeah, so Rowan was born, um, and when he was about six weeks, he got bronchitis, which is kind of the child version of bronchitis, um, and he ended up in um sick kids in Edinburgh, and he was on a ventilator, and he was like in quite quite a bad way, and as a result of that, he developed cardiomyopathy, so um one part of his heart was enlarged, um, so kind of needed that little bit of extra effort to kind of pump the blood around and um that was like a lifelong condition that that he lived with so he was on daily medication but you know you wouldn't know from looking at him that there was anything wrong and he lived an active like healthy lifestyle active it sounds Um, yeah super active more active than (laughs) me that's for sure (laughs) um and yeah so it was just managed it was managed completely um but one day he was he was at the cricket with my dad actually my dad was training and my brother was just playing with his friends and little mini games of cricket and you know kind of pleasing themselves while the adults were training um and suddenly um Rowan had a heart attack um and unfortunately you know when the ambulance got him to the hospital it it was it was kind of too late type thing and he had already passed away um so that was kind of of how it happened he had an underlying condition which which kind of played a part but um it was kind of a heart attack that that he Mm -hmm. passed away from Mm. I mean I obviously as a as a mum but I don't think anybody listening could fail to be totally moved by what you're saying and you know we can't even begin to imagine how horrendous it it was so um how how do you feel like losing him at a young age impact you mean 13 you're just on the cusp of like you say get until I'm too cool for school you're just about to go through all sorts of (laughs) growing pains yourself yourself. (laughs) you know how how did losing him at that age impact on you yeah I think I mean it was a huge huge event in my life um and I definitely think it kind of shaped 
me who I am now and mm. kind of how I dealt with how I have dealt with life up until now um it was the first loss that I've ever experienced and you know no one in my family had passed away up until that point and uh-huh. um, so you know when we lost Rowan he was obviously super close it was very close to me rather than you know it wasn't a a distant, a distant relationship yeah, it was yeah, it was a great granny yeah. or yeah yeah second it was cousin super close to home yeah. so it was very hard to deal with um and I think yeah because I was so young never been through it before I didn't really have anything like to compare it to, to or like yeah. coping mechanisms or anything like that so yeah it was like a huge huge shock to the system um mm. my mum and, and dad your parents were, as well I mean <clears throat> I was just gonna say yeah like because your paternal instinct would be to kind of protect you and look after you but they must have what they were going through must have been horrendous as well you know yeah uh uh-huh I mean I I can't comprehend what it must have been like for them either and um they were obviously like so strong for me as well Mm -hmm. and they helped me like massively through it all and I think just um yeah going through it together I guess was the major thing that got me through it they obviously had experienced loss before but never a child and I had never experienced loss and never my brother so Mm -hmm. we were all in the same boat and we just kind of took things as and when they came and we just dealt with it in the way that felt right at the time and we just kind of took it one one day at a time because you couldn't really think further than the next again day you were just trying to get through Through one day day, um as and when as and when it came but I think being 13 as well and being in, like in, just went into high school I think my friends were amazing help but none of them really knew what no. I was going through either so yeah. it was kind of like yeah just nobody really knew what, what I felt like no. it was quite no. strange so yeah. I think that's probably why my mum and dad and me are got a lot closer during that because we all knew how the other the one other was feel. feeling yeah, yeah. um but yeah it was definitely yeah an awful time and a very tough time to get totally. through um traumatic just yeah and was there a point in time were you ever aware of the fact that you stopped just trying to get through the day and you were actually able to think about the future or did it just kind of happen almost without you noticing over time yeah I'd probably say the latter just kind of yeah kind of going through time it just kind of happened and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I guess up first you know the immediate and when it immediately happens you do start thinking of the future like you know he won't be here for this or that or what about this but then soon you have to just stop kind of thinking about all the things that's Mm -hmm. not going to happen and try and think about you know all the happy memories that Mm -hmm. did happen Mm -hmm. um and that was a very immediate thought but kind of something that was soon taken over by other things and other emotions but I don't think there was ever a point where I thought you know like I pin that I could pinpoint where I started to think about the future yeah, it kind of just yeah. was a gradual thing yeah. and I remember saying to my mum and dad like even like I, I never I was only 13 like I never want to go on a sleepover again like I need to I need to always be here like I never want to spend a night away from you but that's fine like no problem and then obviously there would have been a point where I decided okay well I'm, I am going to go on uh-huh. a sleepover or whatever so there would have been points kind of along along the way but I can't pinpoint yeah, you know like one yeah. specific point that I thought right think to the future now it was just very very gradual yeah yeah do you think um that going through that even though it was gradual and you know over time and by the time you probably reached like 16 17 18 like moving away from home do you think that still played an impact and like added to those kind of natural struggles that we all have like you know exams moving away 
Mm-hmm. I think it made those things worse. Yeah, I think so. I think because I had then become such a home bird and, you know, family was a huge thing and I loved being around my parents and mm-hmm. um, moving away, it was kind of like... <gasps> oh my god mm. like it was quite a shock and oh my god if I was your, your mum she must have been like no no stay stay <laughs> um so it was quite it was quite a shock but I don't think I it ever kind of registered in my head that that's why I kind of maybe felt a bit nervous about moving away but it probably was a contributing factor yeah, yeah. just because I was such a home bird and I liked kind of being at home and yeah. you know my mum and dad kind of being nearby and I think to be honest I think that's one of the benefits of being in Edinburgh one of the reasons why I kind of chose Edinburgh because I knew you know drop off of the hat worst comes to the worst I could be home in like an hour Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they were only down the road or they could come up and it wasn't like a giant move to like England or top of Scotland or Aberdeen or somewhere where you couldn't get home quickly yeah um so I think it did kind of play a part kind of maybe subconsciously um in terms of exams and stuff it always fell that when we had like exams at uni or exams and like prelims in school was around April time and that is when my brother passed away so mm. it was always kind of a time where like my family and I would obviously be grieving and I would also have to try and get into the mindset of like I potentially have an exam like next week or tomorrow or it was always around about that time so that was always kind of a thing trying to you know kind of initiate and uh, accept the grief and you know the sad, it's a very sad time every year for my family you know mm. brings back a lot of memories and we always do something together as a family like my mum and dad um to like remember Rowan and to kind of celebrate almost yeah but obviously it's a sad time but I also have to then get my like head in the game for exams because they're always around that time yeah, so definitely. that was one thing that I probably noticed the most mm. you know like imagine because like people find exams hard oh full stop yeah exams Never are mind just torture adding, adding on the fact that you're going through something that you know hard yeah. yourself because you have to you'd have to almost flip a switch yeah switch off that emotion and just get into that mode exam mode or, or whatever yeah uh-huh and at times it was like quite hard and or even like trying to revise and you know obviously just sitting and revising and then you think oh god yeah like everyone's anniversary is in a few days and then you start kind of thinking about other things but then thinking oh god I really need I really need to revise and I really need to focus so that was quite a challenge every time exams came around but I guess as time went on as well um kind of by the time I went to uni it was more manageable and I'd done it through high school and I knew you know how to kind of deal with the grief and kind of celebrate that day and spend that day with my family and it's a very sad time but also you know kind of focus on exams it's it's a hard balance but mm-hmm. I guess like I just kind of got there somehow you got there <laughs> yeah again. Yeah, yeah just kind of have to you have to so there wasn't you really just kind of find option really. yeah exactly so you just kind of find find a way yeah, <laughs> find yeah, yeah. but through your grief and the grief of your family as well you wanted to create a positive lasting legacy to Rowan and the Rowan Boland Memorial Trust was born so yeah. tell us tell us a bit about that it sounds amazing yeah so um it was kind of like a small time idea whereby my family and some of the um like close friends who were linked to the cricket club suggested and kind of decided like we should create some way for Rowan's memory to like live on and like build a legacy type thing um and uh trust in his name was was kind of 
the idea and that's kind of what came what came to fruition um basically the idea behind it was that Rome was super enthusiastic at sport and mm-hmm. would have like undoubtedly gone on and done amazing things yeah. like there's there's kind of no question about that but we kind of thought that the best thing and probably what what kind of represents Rowan the most would be financial assistance to other sports people like Rowan who are kind of going on to do great things who maybe perhaps are a little bit bound by financial constraints or yeah. you know they need that little bit extra help with finances to help them get to the next stage type yeah. thing so because it is a huge financial commitment isn't yeah. it for sports development from grassroots to kind of performance level. definitely yeah. and I mean I think we probably didn't appreciate how much it actually costs at times until we set the trust up yeah um so it got set up in late 2010 and um was very we had small ambitions so we kind of just thought we'd do financial grants to people in gala shields and it would just be you know small um but before we knew it like the amount of um, the amount of support we got and you know all the local people from like gala shields but even the borders Borders, kind of got on board and were fundraising for us were donating to us and like before we knew it kind of went way bigger than we could have yeah. ever imagined yeah, yeah. yeah um so so that's kind of where it came from and from there 10 years on we're kind of doing more than we could have ever imagined we give grants to sports people all across the borders um and clubs as well so not just individuals yeah yeah um so yeah it's kind of grown exponentially it sounds like it's a it's a huge undertaking on its own and you've got well first uni but then now you've got your amazing job and trying to kind of keep it going it must take a lot of people obviously are so passionate about wanting it to kind of carry on um and it's a victim of its own success in a way yeah 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 definitely I mean we could never have imagined it would grow to what it has now and I mean we've given over hundred thousand pounds worth of grants in those 10, ten years. years so it's wow. just bigger than anyone Anything. could have imagined yeah, yeah i think most people will know someone that's been given a grant or everyone knows the trust so it's definitely yeah, yeah no definitely there's that that awareness here but i think it's interesting that not everyone does appreciate how how costly sport can be and even when you're talking about supporting the clubs as, as well like you know because through you and Brody or, or whatever or through your dad with mm. your dad's sport like the club infrastructure needs support as well because it's yeah. mostly volunteers eh exactly, um, so being yeah. able to kind of support clubs because that's the other component to helping sports people isn't it they need that club infrastructure the club, yeah yeah definitely um, I mean I think we didn't fully appreciate it until we started getting the applications in with like a breakdown of the season's costs or you know yeah, equipment yeah and it was yeah. like wow like there's loads. so much yeah equipment is scarily expensive yeah, yeah. I can't imagine. <coughs> um so the trust was set up um by your family what's your involvement at the moment and you know how does this help you currently with your grief you know obviously it doesn't go away ever it just becomes more manageable i suppose yeah uh-huh. so currently i'm a um, trustee on the charity and um my role is basically um there's 19 committee members and six trustees um so basically um one of my main roles is to kind of make decisions or the the committee makes collective decisions but if there's ever 
maybe a harder decision to make or sometimes we do stuff kind of a little bit more discreetly um you know maybe the athlete doesn't want publicity yeah mm. okay that would come to just the trustees and that would be something that we would decide amongst ourselves um obviously the committee would find out about it but the trustees would make the decision and it would all be okay, kept yeah. quite discreet mm-hmm. um so that's kind of my main role um and kind of in terms of like what you said about dealing with the grief I think it really helps because it gives a positive outlet you know there's yeah. something to focus on um which turns a negative thing into something that is really positive you're channeling um, it into greater good not exactly just yeah and knowing that Rowan's legacy and who he was as a person kind of lives on and everybody kind of knows who he is through our charity yeah which is quite heartwarming and it's like a nice feeling to know that in his name we've raised all of this money and we yeah. can then go on to help others I think that definitely helps with the grief and kind of dealing with it day to day because you have something really focus really positive to focus on and you can kind of channel all the energy into, into making that. that like a huge success yeah, yeah. um and kind of making it the best it possibly can be like for him and for his legacy and for like his memory so definitely helps I think as well with my mom and dad it helps them kind of the same way it helps me you know there's like something positive mm. to focus on um and you're doing things in his name in a positive way to to help others so it's definitely yeah it's it's a Even nice feeling hearing, uh, you can kind of understand how it would make you feel so much better than just kind of sitting with your grief and yeah 100 percent yeah with it because you're actually doing something with it that's actually helping and uh-huh. I never actually thought about how it's almost it is like him living on because everyone still knows who he is as if he were like still here yeah I think so uh, yeah it's like a huge thing and although when you do see it doing so well then that almost makes you feel upset as well because you're like you know it's doing so amazing and like if he could see what was going on yeah. and you know or he would probably be benefiting from a charity like this so it's almost like it's overwhelming to see how well it has mm, done and yeah. the support that we've had and you know everyone just got behind it and it was just kind of like yeah overwhelming going from like a little committee meeting we had we weren't even a formal committee at that point you know <laughs> just me my mom and dad auntie uncle and a few family friends to then actually we are a what fully fledged charity, charity now and yeah. like I say we've gave out over a hundred thousand pounds and we've helped like every sport you could possibly think of I mean sometimes we get applications and we're like oh okay well we didn't realize that was a <laughs> sport, was a sport? But, yeah, yeah like, <laughs> okay go with it and yeah all the way up from like like, like you said earlier I'm like grassroots right up to people who compete for team GB so it's mm-hmm. super like rewarding and to think like a tiny wee charity that started it's off in gala is a, now yeah around like a having, kitchen table probably yeah. yeah yeah and it's like having such a huge impact so yeah it's definitely turns a negative thing into something that's quite Such positive, positive. Yeah. yeah so again you know the loss of a child or a sibling is just horrendous um but unfortunately it's something that other people go through as well but not everyone kind of is so focused on kind of creating something positive out of it what do you think made you guys different um i don't know that's that is a good question um I think because it was like Rome was so passionate about sport and everyone knew that you know he would have went on to do like great things 
it was kind of like we can't just do nothing yeah yeah so but we didn't really know the best way to go about it I mean no one had been in that position before so it was kind of like banging heads together like what what could we do because we have to do something Uh and the charity was the result of that um so who had the actual brainwave the light bulb moment can you remember you know what I don't I can't actually remember (laughs) um I remember we were at the cricket club and it was getting spoken about and yeah it kind of came from there and I don't actually know who had like the best ideas it's like a a kind of whole different conversation different people kind of lob things I think that's how a lot of good things come it's not just necessarily one individual no so many people cared it wasn't just you know one person that wanted to do all of you wanted to do and make something that was lasting yeah so I think definitely the fact that so many people saw and Rowan what we saw and yeah it wasn't just myself and my mum and my dad saying like oh we need to do something it was others saying to us like you know there must be something we can do, could do yeah. and I think that probably spurred us on as well because you know everyone like everyone's child or everyone's family member it, who you lose is like equally as great as the other but I think so it would have been easy for me and my mum and dad to say oh you know we need we need to do something and I mean it probably wouldn't have ever came to anything but the fact that so many people were saying to us like we need to do something and there, mu- there must be something we can do or yeah you know how can we make him live on and yeah. create a legacy mm-hmm. was probably when we thought right okay we have oh, to do actually, something like so yeah, many people because yeah. actually quite quick this. so did you say April 2010 yep and you had set up by the end of 2010 yeah uh-huh. so, so it was it was, it was it was pretty quick and like I say I mean at the start we didn't have huge aspirations, no. you know, it was just, we thought we actually had it bound by TD1 postcode. That yeah. was, if you were in TD1 postcode, yeah. then you could apply. Um, and we didn't know, you know, like we didn't think we'd be giving out, now we give out grants to clubs for like 3,000, 5,000 pounds, you know, in individual grants. Whereas back then it was kind of like 100 pounds, 200 pounds uh-huh. to, uh-huh. to local people. Um and I mean, we were we were fine with the idea of that. You know, yeah. that that was great. A, a couple of hundred pounds to someone who needed it would potentially help them get to that training Massively, session, or yeah. you know, get to that competition, or whatever it was it needed to do. Yeah. Um. But but yeah, as it grew, it was like we can now do Scottish so borders individuals. More. And once we were helping individuals in the borders, then it was like clubs, and it's kind of just yeah, it's just grown yeah. from there. But yeah. it did set off really quickly from the April to the end yeah. of. 2010 um and yeah from then on it's it's kind of just just got bigger and bigger and bigger yeah yeah um so you had small aspirations when you first kind of started it and now it's bigger and bigger and bigger but what are your aspirations from this point for the future do you have any big visions for the trust or is it kind of just a let's see where it goes yeah I mean I guess it's a bit of that um but probably maybe to ex- extend further maybe um you know we're, we're Scottish borders bound at the moment so maybe extending that to you know the rest of Scotland or yeah. maybe like further north um that would be that would be a huge achievement but I guess with that we would need to make sure we had sustainable funding we yeah, would want mm-hmm. to you know go all gung-ho like over promise yeah, and under deliver yeah, exactly yeah. that and you know open it up and then realize maybe in a year or two years mm-hmm we can't sustain that or you know we can only give like a hundred pounds to everyone rather than you know 500 pounds to someone who really needs it or you know you know what I mean so as much as like growing would growing geographically would be amazing I think it's kind of just sustaining at the moment Mm -hmm. it's such a kind of 
a hard environment at the moment everyone's kind of feeling hardships with covid and yeah, we've had no time to fundraise yeah, you know you can't yeah. all our big fundraisers all involve like 200 people uh-huh. which is just off the cards uh-huh. right now so sustaining funding is definitely like one thing that's like a huge goal going forward we we don't want to have to rein it in or you know cut what we do we want to sustain or or get better okay. so yeah. that's definitely a big thing um but in terms of kind of other things I guess it's just to raise awareness and keep that awareness going because it has been 10 years and you know his school friends now are like not in school anymore so it's like primary school kids maybe don't really know who he is so Mm -hmm. it's kind of trying to keep the fundraisers you know we've got the huge park in um the public park that's that that's like a memorial park for Rowan so hopefully that's kind of keeping his name yeah you know kind of going amongst the youngsters and it's just keeping the memory alive and I guess making sure that everyone kind of knows who he was and it's not just you know like a charity and which obviously people donate to charities and that's brilliant but we kind of want them to know who he was as well um yes and it's easy for that to get lost as the years go on because you know everyone moves on and everyone's getting older so there's almost always going to be a generation who don't know at one point yeah yeah Yeah. and I suppose that is the risk with growing geographically as well isn't it yeah Yeah. it would be quite hard to convey that because he's a boy from the borders is what it would become people know yeah 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 whereas like right now probably I mean that might be a stretch to say everyone but if you spoke to someone they would maybe know my family or they would they would know the trust or they maybe knew Rowan himself or their kid went to school with someone who knew Rowan so there's always right now quite a connection Mm -hmm. um but going forward it's kind of keeping that keeping that Mm -hmm. yeah definitely okay so that's the trust and it sounds amazing uh but still there's you uh i mean it sounds like you've well it doesn't sound like i mean you have achieved Mm -hmm. amazing things um even if you hadn't endured what you'd endured you know still amazing but what plans do you have i mean you sort of said you know you've got your job and you hope that's it for a while but so is that is that you you know you've got your job you're happy to see where that takes you and then you you know you're back waist down in gal shields or what else do you think um i guess i've never really anything out but i think i see myself in the job that i'm in just now maybe for a couple of years um before potentially looking for something else probably within the bank like for now i can't really see me wanting to to leave it's it's a really good organization to work for and you know, I've loved the opportunities that it's given me. Um, you know, they've put me through qualifications yeah. and stuff like that. Although, as much as it's been a lot of study on top of a full time job, and I kind of thought I'd left that at, at uni, it, it's actually been amazing. And the things that they've, the opportunities and the doors, it's open. So, yeah. although I maybe see myself changing role, I kind of see myself in the bank. Mm-hmm. Um, Location wise, I'm more swaying towards staying in the borders. I'm actually looking like at houses just now, which uh-huh. is oh wow bizarre yeah. like, I've grown up yeah. no I don't feel adult enough for this I keep saying to my mom and dad so like what what do I do with this and like how do I do this and uh, yeah I'm, I'm just a little bit out of my depth with that but I think because going forward with the bank like they've quite clearly said we won't be in the office five days a week so for me that's kind of like the perfect balance between family and friends down here yeah. and also kind of city life and still kind of being, being in Edinburgh yeah. connected uh-huh civilization <laughs> literally <laughs> more people um so yeah I think gala for now I mean I don't really have any burning desire to move away like or to London or New York or no, Paris. <laughs> no. I mean for, for a short term like 
I always said like on the graduate program if it was an option I would have done like a rotation down in London which would be six months um but with COVID and stuff it just never really happened but in terms of kind of like long term I don't really have any desires to like move far away um but but yeah just kind of seeing how it goes to be honest I mean I'm quite comfy in the job now like now it's secure yeah um just enjoy that yeah yeah just take it as it comes although one thing is I don't see myself doing any more qualifications after this one that I'm doing (laughs) now you say that I'm (laughs) telling you you'll do a master's and then you'll do a PhD honestly like (laughs) studying and I think at uni you think you're hard done by and you've got all these exams and all this work but see, doing that on top of a full-time job is just next level. So I think definitely once this this qualification is finished, which should be end of September, I'm having a chill. I love a, a chill out. Yeah, <laughs> I love that you said that because uh, you were studying at the same time as I was doing the masters here. I was like, oh, yeah. I've got a full-time job and children and all sorts on top of this. <laughs> yeah, you just don't. You at uni, honestly, you think this is oh, the hardest thing so ever but so much work to so do. much work yeah, to do really. <laughs> yeah and then when you actually realize yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, it's really uni it was like a, a really easy time yeah I really like mm. the fact that um you're happy to say I want to be based in the borders and I, that's where I see my life and that's where I feel comfortable because I think there's real uh, pressure particularly if you're from an area like the borders that if you're a go-getter you have to want to go and live in London or you know go around the world and actually what kind of professional does that make you if you are happy to stay in the borders and I think that there's absolutely nothing wrong with it yeah and in fact there are so many positives to it uh, like you've already described I think it's really nice that you are a young professional and you're saying you know, there's no way my life could be any better if I lived anywhere other than mm. than being here. So yeah, I, uh-huh. I applaud you for that. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong; I would love to like travel and go different places, but I always see it as like short term, like yeah. a few weeks Never here and there, home. or maybe like a few months. But I feel like this is kind of home. And although I lived in Edinburgh, and I, I I did enjoy it. I probably wouldn't like completely rule it out, but just right now where I am, like in life and family and friends and with work. The borders is is doing me fine. <laughs> I do think it's funny though. You know, I mean, I think we've probably discussed this before, but I'm really not great with travel mm-hmm. at all. I, we came home early from our honeymoon, which was in the south of France. <laughs> I, like, I need to go home. But Lara um, had a, a, a nine day trip uh, to three European cities after she finished sixth year because you know she was going to discover herself and all that. <laughs> She lasted like three days or four days. I want to say one, it was a 14-day trip and I lasted nine days. Was it nine days? Mm-hmm. I don't remember it being nine it days. It was nine days. But anyway, she had to come home early, right? And then she came home early and I remember going up to Edinburgh Airport to get her on her wee face when she came through the gate. And then she sat in the car and we were going to Carfree Mill um, for dinner mm-hmm. with our family mm-hmm. on the way back down from the airport. And she went, so what I discovered about myself when I was away on my, what was it you called it? My trip around My Europe. trip around <laughs> Europe is that I don't like fries. It's <laughs> <laughs> an important discovery to me. I'm like, oh, that voyage is self-discovery. <laughs> um, so our last question, it, we usually ask, what would you say to your 10-year-old self? But I'm going to say, what would you say to your 13-year-old kind of year old self? Because I feel like that was more of a kind of turning point in your life. Mm. Um, yeah, what would you say yeah, to your 13-year-old you? Um, I guess it's hard. 
probably a dress that you can you this sounds so cliche but like you can do what you want to do like you know yeah through school and stuff you know people would maybe say like oh maybe like you know you, you maybe can't do that or like you know you're maybe aiming a little bit too high and I just feel like anything I've aimed for and like really worked towards I've I've achieved or it's worked out in some way or another so mm-hmm. I'll probably just tell myself that like you you can do it if you mm-hmm. want to do it there there will be a way yeah um and you know even like applying for unis and jobs and grad jobs and everyone says to you like oh like oh, you'll never get a grad job because it's so competitive and it'd be so easy to be like oh yeah that's right so I just I just won't apply but like I was just like no like I'm gonna apply no and if I don't get it I don't get it but like at least you apply yeah. and I mean if I hadn't applied I wouldn't be where I am now so yeah, exactly. I just think yeah probably I'd probably tell myself just yeah just do it like yeah. you, you can do it and don't listen to everyone who keeps on saying oh you can't do this or maybe you should do this instead or you know maybe you're aiming a bit high oh, like you know it's oh, it's, no. it's it's just yeah it's just well, you've proved it lower your expectations girl lower them <laughs> but um, yeah I'd probably just say it's quite a hard question but yeah I'd probably just say you know you can you can do what you want to do and if mm-hmm. you put your mind to it and yeah you can you can achieve what you want to achieve. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think definitely. that's a nice note to It is a nice on. note to end. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners? No, I don't think so. Other than just thank you and thanks for having me. And oh, hopefully it's um it's made an interesting listen for your for your yeah. listeners. I hope it's um up to speed with everyone else. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> more than. Yeah, more than. <laughs> yeah. No, great. Okay. Thank well, you very thank much. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. Bye.